Yes, you've arrived at the Legend Podcast at DaxMyHand.com. How did I become a legendary sports figure? How does anyone become legendary? It starts with a coach. Join us as we have conversations with coaches of all ages, experience, and expertise. And find out what does it take to lead athletes to legendary stats. Goal by my hand. A three-point goal for Dax My Hand. I just got chill bumps. Hey, welcome back to DaxMyHand.com, the legend podcast. Check out this legend. A man starts a program, and in his first three seasons as coach, he wins three state championships. Who is this man? Steve Beckett, mountain bike coach at Marshall County High School. Come on, have a listen. All right, Shane, uh, we've got a treat tonight. We have a man that you're very familiar with, uh, Mr. Steve Beckett, the uh, coach of the Marshall County Mountain Bike Club team, three-time state champion in Tennessee uh, Mountain Bike Association. Is that correct, correct. Steve? That's right. correct. Well, Steve, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you asking me, yeah. being here. Well, well, Steve, you know, a lot of people probably aren't real familiar with mountain biking, and, and even that it is a sport. I know it's not officially recognized by the KHSAA, but, you know, this is something y'all now have been doing, I assume, three years. Uh, and go ahead and tell us a little bit about Correct. it and um, and kind of how it got started. Uh, it, it, we are in our third year, just finished up our third year. We race in the state of Tennessee in the Tennessee League. Uh, the Tennessee League's one of about a dozen that is recognized with the California leagues, I guess, is where corporate is, if you would. It's a National Interscholastic Cycling Association. It started in California. They split NorCal, SouthCal because they had so many people. And their goal is um, all 50 states in 2020. And Tennessee uh, was born out of the fact that the league director came from a league that was out west. I think she was actually involved in something in one of the SoCal. So that she had experience, moved out here, um, and started it three years ago. My interest, I, I found interest in it on the on the website probably five years ago. And <clears throat> I just thought, you know, with my son Carson racing in the Tennessee, the Tiber League, Tennessee Bike Racing Association, which is open to anybody, um, as he approached high school, I thought, you know, it'd be really cool if he could ride with his friends and as opposed to us always traveling. You know, we, we would travel with the Wooden Wave group, the race team there. Which, uh, let, me let me interrupt you. Wooden Wave is the bike shop in Grand Rivers, correct? Bike shop owned by, yes, Steve Wilson. Um, and um, it's a local bike shop that's been there, and they have a race team also, and and years ago, we traveled. Well, they still do it, actually. Um, but the, what that did, it gave us exposure to all the courses in Tennessee. And I knew a lot of the people from Carson Racing since he was 10. You know, I I figured, I know those courses. I know the people, a lot of the people that run it. So I was real curious. And my curiosity took me to, uh, to, to the NICA website about five years ago and reading up on some Wisconsin League stuff. And right off the bat, I was really amazed at how well structured they are how their documentation and and their procedures are all right there and, and you know they at that time probably only been going about 10 years and slowly spreading east of course you know kentucky's not a bicycle traditional state 
Um, so it was all, it was always oh, everything out West, you know, they always ride bikes out there in Colorado and Utah and all those Western states. So it's just, it's just going to happen out there. But lo and behold, uh, the more I got into it, I thought, you know, this, they really got their act together. I mean, they had documentation, how to, how to write a letter to the parents, how to start a meeting, how you can have your own meeting. No, I mean, everything from A to Z it was like. These guys are really organized, and, and what's happened as the, as the teams have grown, they've input all this into a library of reference. So the new teams starting up have good reference material, and you know they, they're not set up to fail. Um, so anyway, I it was funny because I had um, emailed, I got to talking about it to the school, and uh, Carrick's the first guy that I originally sent an email to mm-hmm. coach Carrick. coach Carrick, mm-hmm. yeah because i thought well you had kind of a coach to pick it up and and i basically said look here's what it is you know i'll put together a proposal and uh, you won't have to do a thing i'll take care of it because i figured I'd, have, I'd get carson and the bill boys and just a handful i said all oh, i need is a handful of kids we'll try it out it went for a year or so nothing happened so the next year i came back Kind of got him re-entered. Hey, you remember this? You know, you remember that? And and uh, anyway, long story short, one of the guys, one of the you have to have a school representative um, to take it over if you're going to get club status. Kind of as a sponsor, as right? a sponsor, mm-hmm. you have to have a sponsor that's that's an employee. And um, so we got a sponsor, and uh, we you know started and and you know like I told him we they had club meetings there and and. The sign-up day, I knew about half a dozen people that I was trying to kind of get. Some of my buddies who rode, you know, mm-hmm. it's the dads that have ridden through Wooden Wave. Mm-hmm. And, hey, you got a kid, they're athletes, or if they weren't athletes, would they be interested? And I can remember after that first day, I said, man, we had about 12 people sign up. I said, who were they? I'm thinking, you know, are they really interested or it's just a new club? And uh, I think the first year we had about 15, and uh, which has really surprised me. And that's kind of how it, you know, it got started. Is we got club status. Uh, Tennessee allowed us to race graciously in in their league, and um, you know we we got started on our first practice there in July after the dead period. And it was it's kind of funny because you know we had our anticipation level was pretty high that first race because nobody knows anybody. In your first league, it's not like you're playing football against that freshman class coming up. Now they're seniors. I mean, this was cold start, leaping off into the unknown. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, I'm sure some of the kids that had never ridden or raced before were really apprehensive about it. Um, now, you know, I was trying to draw on my experience from all the races that I've had through the years with Carson and taking some of those same kids to Tiber events and. Um, you know, I just tried to tell them how it was going to be at that first, you know, race. It's, it's you can ride and practice all you want, but when you when you get that race plaque and you strap it to your handlebar and you go to the line, it's different. You yeah. can see it in their eyes, and um, once you commit to that race, um, you know they're they're committed, and you hope they're prepared. So mm-hmm. that's how we started. Yeah. Well, let me go back uh, and talking about you. Were you a mountain biker before? Uh, before Carson, or what? What first introduced you to mountain biking, or when did you get involved? Well, I actually, I rode back in way back in '79. I had a road bike, and and for just for fitness, I had a couple buddies. We would ride our bikes up around the school, 
just for into summer fitness. And then we did some trail running at that time. But I never really connected to it because the technology at that point wasn't, hey, yeah, there's a lot of mountain bikes out there. And I can remember, you know, riding through college and then in the late, mid to late 90s, a buddy of mine had a bike. Went over to his house, rode on it, had like 24 gears, you know, and a shock in the front and big old fat tires. I was like, man, this is nice. Shifted crisply. I said, I need to borrow this. I'll never forget the day I took that thing out and I, well, I wasn't. 60, 80 yards down the trail. I said, this is it right here. Whizzing by the trees, rocks, roots, and mud. And it's like, this is this is fun. Mm-hmm. Went and bought me a bike and raced that first year. Raced several races. Hurt like heck. <laughs> <laughs> but I was hooked. I thought, you know, what other sport can you get out and, and ride all over and, and see, I'm an outdoors guy, so I'm like, I'm in the woods and the creeks, I'm riding and I'm getting fit or fitter, you know, or just staying in shape. And I said, This is a win win. And, um, you know, met some guys at Wooden Wave up around the lakes and, and then got in with Steve Wilson, did some crazy stuff through the years. Crazy stuff and not just cycling, but stupid crazy stuff. <laughs> endurance runs and marathons but i always went back to to cycling and and i knew i was bit when i used to golf in uh the golfing league down here at calvert city on tuesday and they had a conflict between tuesday and wednesday rides for road riding and um when i started dropping golf for that i knew i was like man didn't be it. and i i did for a short for two years um actually i was a the president of uh, CRCC, which is Chain Reaction Cycling Club out of Paducah. Mm-hmm. And they're primarily a, a road group, like they do misaligned mines, an organized ride in the in the fall. And they would ride all kinds of other rides around the, the country and stuff. But uh, And Steve was um, head of the mountain bike division. So together we kind of c- tried to continue that, and, and uh, that was our only official position, you know. And uh, But other than that, that that's kind of how I got – started and mm-hmm. you know i mean and so then from there you've got your of course your son carson's uh you know an internationally known biker uh mountain biker so how did you get how did you work carson into it or how did he first get involved just through you going and doing it yeah it was um well actually you know before him i i bought bikes for the kids because i wanted to see if they liked it and Paige, the oldest daughter she had a mountain bike first and i would take her over to land between the lakes mm-hmm. And ride. Now I didn't expect anything competitive of her. It was just a way to spend more time with them and introduce them to the outdoors, especially when you have girls. Same way with Sydney, the middle daughter. Um, you know, we went through those few years, but I remember the day Carson had his first bike with training wheels, rode around there in the, in the on the driveway, and he couldn't get out in the grass with them because you can't hardly ride in training wheels. So I took them off and shoved him. And he ain't never come back, you know. <laughs> I'll never forget him riding across the, right there. That's the best shove like, you've ever given a kid, it. huh? It was. And, uh, you know, he'd ride around the neighborhood when it was raining, and I'd see him out there in those puddles, you know, just kids in bikes like you used to, and you're old huffy. And um, Wooden Wave always had a spring race, and they had it for kids. like I mean, little kids. And they'd just ride around that little blacktop loop that we train on around the, by the North Welcome Station. I remember this. Like I was there, 
and it was just little kids. And there was three or four of them up there on the line, you know, and I was helped starting it. They're looking left and right at each other. You know, all the guys, I said, come on, everybody get up here and cheer them on. We said, ready, set, go. And old car stood up. And he stood up and pedaled. And that I remember one guy in the, in the audience said, oh, my gosh, that's the kind of kid I want to have. Look at him. You know, he was joking, but he was making a point that, yeah. I mean, he was probably three or four. And he was all in. He stood up. Boom, boom. I was like, slow down. You got a black top. You know, and, and now everybody thinks he's been racing all his life. But really, he hadn't. I mean, as a kid, he raced that. And then he'd go through all the school sports. He played basketball and soccer, just like all the other ones, football. And until he got, but but every summer, I'd take him out with the Wooden Wave group and Steve, and and you know he'd just ride a little more, and I'd take him out by myself because I could see a little bit, you know, his skills were really exceptional at that. And when a kid goes out and rides around, they they learn stuff just by riding through all that stuff. And so we customized some bikes. Steve helped me with his first clipless pedals that we put in. I went to Walmart, got me an old set of. Uh, Oh, high top shoes or something, something like old soccer shoes, no tread. And we just hand cut out a plate and screwed those cleats to the bottom, glued them all on the inside. And that was his first set of clipless because they didn't make clipless pedals for a kid that small. Yeah. So we customized him, got him on his clipless pedals. Man, that's the best thing since sliced bread for him. You know, a lot of people are scared of the clipless pedals, but they're so much safer. I mean, once you see a kid and ride with them yourself, yeah, you're going to fall over. But, you know, it's in, not in the parking lot when you need them. It's when you're out there and that bike's bouncing around and it's wet and, you're, you know, your gym shoes are trying to slip off those pedals. It won't happen. You know, in my short experience, I've ex- I've experienced just what you're talking about. I having so much trouble keeping my feet on the pedals because I don't have yeah. them on my bike, and and so I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's just so it's a safety factor. It really is. It's it's not production as much, but it's safety. But you know, he would as each year that kids race would come up, and we'd go down there once, maybe in the fall they'd have it again. So as he got four, five, six, seven, eight, he'd race once or twice a year, and it it wasn't until he got the right bike and you know you could see that he was riding off from the other kids the older kids that that we entered him into that into the tebra series junior 10 and under Mm -hmm. and he was maybe eight or nine or in that group and then the first official group is is um junior 14 and under and he won that when he was like 10 well once you win it you pretty much my thought philosophy is you don't go stay you got to move up so it was junior um 15 after that and you know he kept racing up and kept winning up and i mean he basically went through the divisions and you know we once you commit to that series it's on a base of a, of a point series kind of like our race and and so once you commit to it you know the more races you go to the the better off your points are and so that's kind of how we got started is is the fact that i was going out and riding when he got old enough on the weekends with my buddies it's like hey come on you know, you suffer through those periods when he's not fast enough and, and you're the guy that has to hang back with him and you catch up with the group and they stop. You know, we spent several years doing that and and he gets discouraged and, you know, hey, you want to go over and practice? Well, do we have to do the hills? I'm like, do we have to do Kentucky side? I'm like, yeah, oh, man, I don't know. You know, Kentucky side's hard. 
for a kid. The Kentucky side is actually what retired me from uh, mountain <laughs> from biking, Steve. Yeah, it's my career in uh, in mountain biking, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Even at our our group, as I'm looking at Shane, they the kids have a tendency to take the path of least resistance. You know, and and uh, you really have to you have to convince them in the right way that if you want to grow and and do better. Just, you know, at your own level, whatever level you're trying to achieve, you're going to have to suffer a little bit. And, you know, you just can't go out there. And if you want to be a campground rider, you can do that. But if you want to be on a team and race, you have to have a mental, you know, switch up there that says, I'm going to do what I can to race. And, um, you know, the good thing about our team is we have a lot of great examples for people that work hard. And then you get some people out there that they're not too sure about it. And then they realize, well, if I don't want to finish last or if I want to podium or if I want to win, we've got every example out there on that team of how hard you got to work. So, Steve, let me let me take you back to year one. So you, you've got the sponsor. You've got the team formed. You said you had about 15 kids. Talk about kind of what your expectations were for that first season. You know, you started the season off. And, and what did you think before you started, what you what you could accomplish? Or did you really even lay that out? Or was it more just let's do it and see how it turns out? <laughs> That's second part. Okay. <laughs> My first goal was no broken bones. I, I don't want any kids to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Safety is is primos for us. And it's, a, it's not just a theme. It's a practice that we practice under. It has to be. Getting more kids on bikes is their theme. But... Nike, you know, they, they have a big overtone of, well, just like you said, non-competitive on the middle school. They don't want to sacrifice competitiveness for any risk on on safety. And quite frankly, you know, I don't either. Now, I didn't know any of these kids. I, so my experience was with probably more kids that were more skilled in general. Mm-hmm. And I had to check myself because I'm, you know, when I... I knew when I'd have different expectations of some of those kids because even with the, some of the kids I took to camp personally with Carson, the Bill boys and some other kids, you know, I knew how they could ride. So I, I wasn't sure how these other kids can ride. And, and trust me, when you interview them, like we did, say, have you ever ridden a bike? Oh, yeah, I got a bike at home, man. I ride around the yard all the time, ride at the campground. You ever ridden on a trail? Yeah, I've ridden on a trail. Are you sure? <laughs> and then you find out in that first section of trail what trails they've ridden on. And, you know, they have a different expectation of what – of maybe they just don't know. Maybe they've ridden on some trails that were crazy. And uh, My uh, – I guess my expectation when I rode here a few years ago, when people talked about trails – I pictured this smooth dirt trail through there, and my biggest shock factor when I went on the canal loop was all the roots yes. and the giant rocks and the logs laying across the the roadway, and you know, and I'm thinking, how do people ride over these things? So I, so I, I'm kind of like those kids. I see where they're coming from yeah. on that. Yeah. Well, other than no injuries on our first year, you know, our expectation was, hey, let's go down. Like I told him, your first primary goal is to finish this race. Period with no accidents. And then once you get the first race, you, you have a whole nother set of goals. You know, if you were last, try to be second to last. And that's kind of how we took the whole season. Was up, And especially then, because there were so many new riders, you know, what are your goals? What do you have to do to lay out a plan to achieve those goals? And, you know, every race, you got a whole different set of feedback from them. So, yeah, they adjust their goals. But so we thought, you know, after the first race, 
I kind of, it got kind of reinforced that, well, there's some kids down there that have ridden, some guys that have ridden road, but there's some roadies that didn't have quite the skills. And I thought, you know, I felt pretty good about it. I, I think we probably won that first race overall, but we had some close races and stuff too. So, and the thing about the NICA races is um, they're set up on a time limit. So traditionally, they're much shorter races than what Carson had ever been exposed to. And, and even in Tibra, if you go to the Cat 3, which is the beginners, you know, they they can still race 8 to 10 miles or 11 miles, depending on the race course. And our, you know, freshmen were racing one lap at the very first race. And I, they were actually disappointed because the way we had trained on the loop, mm-hmm. I told them, if you go train with me on this canal loop, you'll never face a tougher course in this Tennessee league. I promise you, because I've raced at all the venues through Tiber, And I said, I know they're not going to be as difficult if what you're training on here. And you know and they weren't. And you know, Steve, the Canal Loop was the first uh, mountain bike trail that I ever rode. And um, just to let you know what kind of rider I was, the first uh, lap uh, that I, the first time I went around, I was three plus hours. And I remember thinking to myself, "There's no way in heck anybody could ever finish this in less than I don't know an hour and a half, two hours." You know, because obviously I was a pretty good athlete. You know, not not seasoned at the time. Yeah. But uh, but then when I've heard you guys times that y'all, I mean, three hours, I I probably wouldn't make the team. Is that a fair statement, Steve? At three well, you could make it, but it may be. <laughs> It may be dark before you get back at practice, and we'd have to have lights for you. But yeah. so, um, Speaking of lights, and let me hit that story real quick while I got you. So uh, my good friend Shane Cosby here, and, and I want to throw, give a shout-out to Shane because we've had people listen to the podcast, and a lot of times I'll, I'll mention Shane, and they're not really sure who Shane is. So I just want to lay that out there, Shane Cosby. Uh, but uh, Shane convinced me to go riding uh, at night, and I thought, hey, what a great idea. It'll be cooler. Cooler. Um, you know, and, and I can do it. And we didn't do a real, we, we did the canal loop the first time in the dark. And um, I found out that the key to riding the canal loop at night is, is lights and being able to see where you're going. And I can tell you that trip. Consistent that, lights. Yes, yes. And I can tell you that um, Shane kind of pulled a mickey on me or slipped me a mickey he um didn't give me the type of lights i needed and so uh, i almost died that night uh, did he have a two-hour burn you needed a three-hour burn well light? i had that was one issue the other issue was brightness, brightness. Um, i needed brighter lights yep. um, and so that was the last time i ever rode the canal loop in the dark so anyway i just want to interject with those those couple of uh, personal experiences out there well, i'll have some bright lights that have good run time so if you ever want to come back and try it <laughs> I'll, I'll think about that. I've been in that, that situation where the light's gone out, and it's a it's a weird feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you're right. It's it's actually there's an ease to riding it at night. There's, there's stuff that you don't see in your peripheral, and you're just looking at the trail. And um, many people think it's easier. I mean, I've climbed hills there, and you know, in gears that I don't do during the day. I don't know what it is. I've talked to other people, too, and it's, especially in the summer. It's got to be so a mental cooler. thing, right? I, I really think it is. Let, let, let me interject here. Is it the LBL beast that well, makes you uh, climb those hills a little quicker? <laughs> I guarantee you. You don't look back near as much. And I have seen some bobcats out there at night. So, um, But those other 
stories of things that go through the woods. Uh, I think that is a motivator, actually. Now, Shane, haven't you had some up-close and personal experiences with armadillos out there? Up-close, that's that's an understatement. Uh, I've, I've rolled over one over my back with my back tire. And, uh, anybody that knows Tommy Powell, ask him that story. <laughs> you don't want to expand? Okay, we'll we'll yeah, leave that for everyone. Just, we'll let people use their imagination on that one. But anyway, go on, go on, Steve. Yeah, that, that's that's a funny story. As I we were talking about earlier, I love hearing people's first time experiences about the loop. You know, they're really gun ho and and they've ridden a bike probably off and on through their life, and um, they just did not realize they were going to drink that water bottle in the first two miles or whatever it was, drink all their food. Mm-hmm. And then um, the reality sets in that, hey, you're only about a quarter of a way or halfway. Well, now, for clarification, um, those of us, though, the people who maybe here are listening to this don't realize how long the loop is. Tell them, tell them how long that is. The canal loop is, is basically an oval track like NASCAR. It's 11.3 miles, but it has three connectors that you can shorten it basically in sections of pie. So you can make whatever combination you want. Now, from the canal loop south, there's another 30-some miles down to Golden Pond. So what's unique about our area is combined, you have 42-plus miles of single track. And it's probably 98% single track. There are some Jeep roads and stuff that you can get on on the southern part. Uh, But for the most part, it's all single track. You can't, even these courses in Tennessee, many of them have limited space. And so they try to put as much trail miles in it as possible. And they have a lot of, you know, cutbacks and switchbacks and stuff. And our course is what I call linear. I mean, there's not many cutbacks. And uh, the speeds at which you take it as you get fitter, you know, are increased. And um, it's a different set of skills that you have to, you know, maintain or grow into. There's nothing better than to see a kid get faster from from the beginning of the season on, because that's what kids naturally do. I mean, people do. If you just go out and ride more, your fitness is going to pick up. You're going to get faster. But the issue is your skill level with that new speed. And people love to get faster, you know. And, and if they can climb a hill straight up faster, that's great. But going down the other side may not be so great. Mm-hmm. You know, what what you've mastered at 8 mile an hour or whatever speed that you're comfortable with, and you're now keeping up with that next guy or girl, and you're going faster, guess what? It's a different set of skills. Our kids love to get faster, but the thing is, you better learn the skills and the fundamentals first, or else you take all that extra fitness to a race, it won't do you any good, because you're on the brakes way too much. You haven't learned how to corner with that speed. You haven't learned how to you know, throttle the brakes just enough, and, and um, so... You know, you can get faster, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be better. So what I'm hearing, and I know talking to Shane about your seasons, we talk constantly about this, um, you kind of have an inherent advantage that your training track is, in essence, a lot harder than pretty much anywhere else you go ride. Is that a fair statement? I think it is. Uh, obvi- I mean, we've ridden their courses, and we don't ride all their courses, granted, because of the the NICA format is a shortened um format compared to but you know the thing is i don't keep them on the barclay side just because i know they're not gonna 
experience the hills on these other courses. Quite frankly, I'd rather ride and, and learn, um, you know, the hill climbing and descending skills, especially the hill climbing. I mean, it's just like going out and doing hill sprints. If you're on a football team doing wind sprints or, you know, the drill on track, what are they, why do they do that to increase their fitness for that fourth quarter? Or, you know, it's in the same token, we're trying to keep it for that fourth lap or your third lap, respectively, of whatever you're doing. Because, I mean, studies have shown, and Nika's big on this too, as well as your own common sense, your skills go down when you get tired. Mm-hmm. You know, and they have studies that show in the last third of the practices, you know, depending on the length of your practice, when do most accidents reported? Right at the very, toward the end. The kids have gotten tired. They're just trying to keep up. Their skill set's gone. Boom, they crash. Well, you know, I would liken it to a basketball analogy of when do you practice your free throws after you've run your sprints, correct? Is that pretty much the same thing? Exactly right. You're never fully rested in the game yeah. when you're on the line and it counts. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, that's a good point because I reference other sports in my practice because I've, I've played them, but, I mean, I've had kids, I've coached them for cars, and, you know, typical father-son coming up through there. And I know we have multi-sport kids in this sport, which I encourage. I love it that they have another base of fitness to pull from. The hardest one is, is a kid that has no sports. This is the very first time they've joined a team and they're out riding a bike. Now, that's a whole separate challenge. But, I mean, it's you'll see leaps and bounds of, of progress, but... You know, you, you use those other analogies because, you know, I tell them at the very beginning, if, if you want to, you know, do whatever level you want to be in this team, if you want to be a person that finishes every race, great. If you want to be a person that's on that podium sniffing at the top five, or if you want to be somebody that's consistent and, and winning, then what I'm teaching you here in these three days, maybe if the weather's right, a practice is not going to get you there. I'm going to give you the fundamentals, and I'm going to give you a, a forum to improve on week by week by week. But if you're not home shooting free throws, if you're not home riding your bike around your yard, learning how to bunny hop a, a little log to another one or practicing balancing drills on your sidewalk or whatever, you ain't going to get there. 